A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 45. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness is not unto death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by means of it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were but now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. Thus he spoke and then said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awake him out of sleep. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary sat in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, he who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying quietly, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Then Mary, when she came where Jesus was and saw him, 
fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. I knew that thou hearest me always. But I have said this on account of the people standing by, that they may believe that thou didst send me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with bandages, and his feet wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, my friends, once again, we are presented with one of the most iconic and powerful passages from the Gospels, namely the account, John's account, of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. We have been examining the greatest hits from the Gospels, particularly the Gospel of John. We've reflected upon Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. We've reflected upon Jesus' healing of the man born blind in John chapter 9. And now we're reflecting upon the raising of Lazarus in John chapter 11. And each of these three gospel passages are quite lengthy, my friends. And it has been a challenge to contain myself because there's so much for us to reflect upon. But once again, I'm going to endeavor with the time allotted to us to, to limit my commentary and to highlight, hopefully, for your benefit, some of the nuances within this passage to hopefully bring it to life for you so that this might be a fruitful reflection and aid you as you prepare for the liturgy for this fifth Sunday of the season of Lent. And so pray for me as I begin this endeavor. And as usual, what I'd like to do is establish the context. And for this, I'm going to invite you to back up with me to chapter 10, the previous chapter leading into this account of the death of Lazarus and his raising from the dead. Go with me to verse 22 of chapter 10. We read, It was the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So Jesus is in Jerusalem, in Judea. 
and he's there for the feast of the dedication at Jerusalem. And he is teaching in the temple, as was his custom. It says in verse 24, So the Jews gathered round him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me, but you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Verse 31, the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? The Jews answered him, We stone you for no good work, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Close quote. And why do I share this with you? I share this with you because context is key. Jesus, shortly thereafter, departs from Jerusalem. He needs to get out of Dodge because they're ready to kill him. They are prepared to put him to death. It says in verse 31, the Jews took up stones again to stone him. So this was not the first attempt at stoning Jesus. So Jesus leaves Judea because they are ready to kill him, to stone him. So he departs with his disciples who are fearful for their lives and for the life of their master. They want to escape for his hour had not yet come. So they depart, they leave Judea. And this is the important context, my friends, because Jesus here receives news after leaving Judea. It says in verse 1 of today's pericope, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now Bethany is located just two miles outside of the holy city of Jerusalem. Bethany is on the southeastern slope of the Mount of Olives. And just over the Mount of Olives is the holy city of Jerusalem. And so when Jesus would travel to Jerusalem on pilgrimage, it is quite likely that he stayed with his friends, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary in nearby Bethany. And so Jesus, remember, he leaves Judea. He leaves Jerusalem because they are ready to put him to death. His hour had not yet come. And so he departs from Judea, but he receives word here that his dear friend Lazarus is ill. Lazarus was on his deathbed. Verse 3 says, So the sisters sent to him, sent to Jesus' word, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness is not unto death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by means of it. So Jesus here, upon receiving word of the illness 
the illness of his dear friend, the one whom he loved, Lazarus, knowing that he was, for all intents and purposes, in critical condition, at death's doorstep, he nevertheless declares, this illness is not unto death, it is for the glory of God. If you remember in our last episode concerning the healing of the man born blind, when they asked Jesus, well, why is this man blind? Why is he blind from birth? Is it because of his sin or the sin of his parents? And Jesus says, no, this blindness is not the result of sin, but this blindness in this man is for the glory of God, so that the glory of God can be revealed. And he's clearly speaking of the miracle that he was about to perform. And in like manner here, Jesus gives a similar answer. This illness is not unto death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by means of it. Verse 5, now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, this, this seems contradictory. It seems really strange that the evangelist John would put it this way. He makes it a point of, of letting us know, of cluing us into the fact that, that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Then it goes on to say, so when he heard that he was ill, that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You would think common sense would dictate that, that if he truly loved Lazarus, as soon as he received word that Lazarus was ill, he would have hastily departed from where he was and would have traveled to Bethany in order to be with his friend, with his friends, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, and in order to aid him in his greatest moment of need. See, that's what, what love would prompt anyone else to do. But what about Jesus? It says that Jesus loved him, but yet he remained where he was for two additional days. How does that make sense? Well, when you read the remainder of the pericope, you understand that Jesus delayed on purpose. He delayed his departure, and this, this baffled his disciples who would have expected, knowing how much Jesus loved Lazarus, that he would have departed immediately. And as we see, Jesus does not promptly jump to his feet and declare that they're departing for Bethany. No, he delays for two days. Verse 7 declares, Then after this he said to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. Remember, they're in the northern country. But now he's declaring they've just left Judea. They escaped with their lives, knowing full well that the Jews wanted to put Jesus to death. But he says here, let us go into Judea again. And I give you this context to just underscore the fact that Jesus, by traveling to Judea once again, by traveling to the town of Bethany, the village of Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem, Jesus is risking his very life. He's putting his life and the lives of his disciples at risk because he was a wanted man, marked for death. Let us go into Judea again. Look at the reaction of the disciples. Verse 8, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, teacher, the Jews were but now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? In other words, 
Translation, are you crazy? Are you insane? You really want to go back there? Do you not know what we just experienced there? They were ready to stone you, yet you want to go back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Remember that Jesus, backing up, as we noted in our last episode, he declares himself to be the light of the world. John chapter 8, verse 12, and elsewhere, I am the light of the world. And so he's declaring here, are there not 12 hours in the day? He's speaking of daylight. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. They are walking around. Jesus is declaring to them with the light of the world. And as such, they will not stumble. They must trust him for he knows what he is doing. He's calling them to faith, essentially. Pick up in verse 11. Thus he spoke and then he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awake him out of sleep. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. In other words, there's no need for us to leave then. <laughs> we can stay where we are, where we're safe, because if Lazarus is truly sleeping, then he's going to recover. He'll wake up. He'll feel better. No need for us to risk our lives, in other words. Now, Jesus, verse 13, had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus, is dead. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. That's important. Jesus here is making it plain that Lazarus is indeed dead. But look at verse 15. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so you may believe. Why did he delay two days? Instead of promptly rushing to the bedside of his brother, he delays two days. He was for the sake, for the benefit of his disciples and for those who were gathered in the home of, of Martha and Mary, who were gathered by the tomb, who were mourning the loss of Lazarus. It was for their benefit that they might come to believe. It was for the sake of their faith. He continues, but let us go to him. Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. There's Thomas leading the charge, recognizing that this may be it. They are truly going back into, they're returning into the lion's den, putting their lives at risk. We pick up in verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. That's an important detail, my friends. Four days. Why is that detail important? We're going to see in a moment. It then establishes Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, as I said earlier. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary sat in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
And even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Look at the faith of the sister of Lazarus. Look at the faith of Martha. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And even now, and even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. What tremendous faith. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. But Martha doesn't get it. It says in verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Verse 27, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, he who is coming into the world. What a bold declaration of faith, profession of faith similar to that of Simon Peter, who declared in Caesarea Philippi, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. So deep and profound was the faith of Martha, the sister of Mary and Lazarus. Verse 28, when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying quietly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him, Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Verse 32, Then Mary, when she came where Jesus was and saw him, fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She also is expressing her deep faith in Jesus. She knows that that if Jesus were present, if he had been present, that he would have healed her brother, that her brother would not have died. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, it is recorded here that Jesus wept. He wept. He wept before the tomb of his dear and beloved friend, Lazarus. Just think about this. Jesus, he knows full well that he has come to Bethany in order to raise his brother, Lazarus, from the dead. But nevertheless, he enters into that moment filled with compassion. He is deeply moved and troubled. Think about that. Jesus knows that he's going to restore him. He knows that he's going to resuscitate him, to raise him from the dead. But nevertheless, he enters into that profound moment of grief and sorrow and he weeps. We know that death is the result of sin, ultimately. We can tie this back to the original sin of our first parents. That original sin introduced death into the world. The scripture declares that that the wages of sin is death. Sin is death dealing. And no doubt our blessed Lord in that moment was absorbing the full measure of the consequences of that original sin and all of the sins committed 
from that point forward that lead to this, that lead to death. God did not intend for man to suffer death and decay. That was the result of the free will choice of our first parents, Adam and Eve. But no, God created us for immortality, for eternal beatitude, to live forever. Sin leads to death, but Jesus here is reflecting upon this great tragedy, this mystery of iniquity, and is mourning, no doubt, the fact that his beloved Lazarus, and and each of us by extension, we are loved by Jesus, and he mourns for us. He weeps for us. He weeps for you, and he weeps for me. Verse 36, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? You see, they knew. Word had traveled very, very quickly about the healing of the man born blind. Jesus restored his sight, healed him thoroughly and completely. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for days. Let's stop there. Remember I mentioned to you a little bit earlier when it mentioned here in verse 17, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for days. What is the significance of that detail? Well, it's important to note that the Jews, the ancients believed that after death, the soul of the dead person would not fully depart from the body until after three days when natural decomposition and decay would begin to set in. And so consequently, within that small time frame of of three days, there was a tiny glimmer of hope that the dead person would come back to life. But after three days, that dead person was truly dead. There was no hope after three days. Jesus, when does he show up? He shows up after the fourth day, which means what? There is no hope. Everyone there knows that Lazarus is completely dead. Why does Jesus delay for two days? Because he wanted to demonstrate the power of God, to reveal the power of God for the glory of God. And so he delays two days. He arrives there after the fourth day. And once again, it's reiterated here in the gospel. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, meaning that decay will have already set in, meaning the decomposition of the body, the natural decay of a dead body. There will certainly be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Remember, this is what he declared to the disciples. From the beginning, he says in verse 4, This illness is not unto death. It is for what? The glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by means of it. 
Verse 41, so they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. I knew that thou hearest me always, but I have said this on account of the people standing by, that they may believe that thou didst send me. And remember, Jesus said this to his disciples. If you go with me to verse 14, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. We then pick up here in verse 43. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with bandages, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Verse 45, Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Powerful, my friends. There's so much here, so much here for us to mine. But I want to impress upon you the significance of this miracle and the fact that Jesus risks his life to return to Judea. He is a wanted man. They desire to stone him. But yet he risks his life for the sake of his brother, his friend, Lazarus. We are Lazarus, my friends. We are the ones caught in the grip of of the reality of sin, our own sinfulness. And again, I'm not suggesting that, that Lazarus died because of his sins, but I'm using Lazarus in this metaphorical way. He represents us. And we know that the wages of sin is death. And in Jesus, who loves us, we are his beloved. Jesus risks everything. He risks it all for the sake of healing us and restoring us. So profound is his love for us. He lays down willingly his life for his friends. But what's interesting, once again, Jesus delays two days. <laughs> two days. Why? The sisters of Lazarus, they remarked to Jesus, if, you, if only you had been here, we know that, that our brother would not have died. No doubt they were disappointed, crestfallen, that Jesus had, had arrived so late. Jesus delayed, but he did not deny. He did not deny the healing that they sought. And sometimes in our own lives, we are desirous because of our current situation. Perhaps we're going through difficulties and trials and tribulations, and we're at the end of our rope, so to speak, and we cry out to the Lord in desperation, Lord, I need you now. And God is seemingly silent. He doesn't respond. He doesn't answer immediately the request that we make of him. We cry out in desperation, no answer from the Lord, and we think to ourselves, does he not care? Does he not see my plight? Does he not understand my desperation? I'm at the end of my rope. Sometimes the Lord allows us to go through these trials and tribulations in order, as he declares here, in order that we might come to believe in him. Sometimes through God's divine providence, he allows things to unravel in our lives in order to drive us to our knees and, in many cases, in order to demonstrate his great love for us, for our sake. He sometimes delays. And we, humanly speaking, we want things on our timetable. <laughs> we want God to move when, when we want him to move. But the Lord, who is sovereign, he's never late. 
He's always on time. And it's important for us to recognize this because I think each and every one of us can identify with, with the plight of Martha and Mary, who are lamenting the fact that Jesus arrived so late. But did he arrive late? He delayed two days in order to demonstrate the glory of God and performed arguably one of the greatest miracles he had performed heretofore. The raising of a dead man after four days when there was no hope, Jesus arrives and he commands the dead man to rise. Lazarus, come forth. My friends, there is a message here for each and every one of us. We are Lazarus and sometimes we we lament and we bemoan just how late God is and how deaf God is. God is not deaf to our plight. He's not ignorant of our sufferings, our infirmities, our needs. But he wants us to be attentive. He wants us to trust. He wants us to place our hope in him. He who has the power to deliver. He who has the power to restore. He who has the power to heal. And when we trust in the Lord by faith, and look at the incredible faith of, of both Martha and Mary. And yet Jesus augmented that faith when he raised their brother to life again. My friends, this miracle, if the authorities, the leaders, the Jews of Jerusalem were, were out to get Jesus before that, if they were incensed at the fact that Jesus apparently healed this man who was born blind, imagine now, after having raised a dead man who was dead for four days. In the very next verse, verse 46, this is not in the lectionary, but verse 46 continues, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done so the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on thus, everyone will believe in him. And so we see just how panicked these Pharisees, these religious leaders were upon hearing word of this great miracle, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. It says in verse 53, so from that day on, they took counsel how to put him to death. This miracle was unprecedented. And so the religious authorities conspired actively regarding how exactly they were going to put him to death. It says in the following verse, verse 54, Jesus therefore no longer went about openly among the Jews, but went from there to the country near the wilderness. He knew full well that this miracle essentially sealed his fate, that they were out to kill him, to put him to death. If you fast forward to the next chapter, we're told in verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. He returns again to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And it is there in Bethany where Jesus is anointed by Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And in the context of this anointing, it says in verse 9 of chapter 12, when the great crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there in Bethany, they came. 
not only on account of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Look at verse 10. So the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So not only were they targeting Jesus, but they were also, by extension, targeting Lazarus. This was a dead man walking, raised from the dead. And so they conspired to kill Lazarus as well, because Lazarus was a threat. People were coming to faith in Christ because Lazarus, he gave witness to, by his very life, because he was raised from the dead, he gave witness to to the person of Christ and his power, even over death. Lazarus, whose name means God has helped. Indeed, when you read this passage, you recognize from the Hebrew, Eleazar, Lazarus means God has helped. And God surely came to the aid of his dear friend, Lazarus. As I said earlier, we are Lazarus. And Jesus comes to Bethany, According to the great doctor of the church, St. Jerome, he refers to Bethany as the domus afflicciones in Latin, in English, the house of affliction or the house of pain. It's one of the meanings of the name Bethany, house of affliction, house of pain. Jesus comes to the house of affliction, to the house of pain, to where many of us live in our pain, in our suffering in order to emancipate us, in order to heal us, in order to restore us, in order to deliver us, in order to revivify us, in order to raise us from the dead. We who journey through these 40 days of Lent are seeking through these pillars of prayer, fasting and almsgiving, to prepare a way for the Lord, to prepare our hearts and our souls for His power, to be manifest in our lives because in many ways we resemble Lazarus. We're shut up in our own tombs. We're shut up in our own darkness, perhaps because of our sinfulness, because of our sins, which darken the intellect and weaken the will as the church teaches. And we who remain dead in our trespasses, we desperately call upon the Lord to emancipate us, to set us free. And that's why during this penitential season, Holy Mother Church exhorts us to make a good and holy confession, seeking the mercy of the Lord. We cry out to Jesus, have mercy on us, heal us, restore us, bring us back to life, raise us from the grave. And whenever we do engage in this holy sacrament, that is precisely what happens. We are raised again. We are raised anew. We're healed and restored, revivified in our souls. Jesus is eager to come to our own Bethany, our own house of affliction. And he meets us where we are and he seeks to raise us up. I pray that we, each of us, would prepare our hearts for that, that we would reach out to and cry out to the Lord for he is eager to perform that wonder in our lives. We see in the remainder of the readings, if you turn with me to 
the book of the prophet Ezekiel. We see this echo throughout these passages. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 12 through 14, we read as follows, and I quote, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you home into the land of Israel. This is the promise, the promise of the new birth, the new life of resurrection. And I will bring you home into the land of Israel. Verse 13, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. Look at verse 14. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, says the Lord. This is the promise. The Lord is going to open our graves. He's going to raise us from our graves. And it says that he will put his spirit within us. Well, this is pointing forward to what? To baptism. We will die with Christ in order to rise with him. And we will receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He will put his spirit within us. This is precisely what our catechumens are hearing as they prepare for baptism themselves. Powerful, my friends. Now we move from today's first reading to our responsorial psalm which is Psalm 130. And the response is, with the Lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption. Beginning in verse 1. Out of the depths I cry to thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thy ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, O Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plenteous redemption and he will redeem israel from all his iniquities close quote with the lord there is mercy and fullness of redemption powerful and finally turning to our epistle which is taken from romans 8 8 through 11 St. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God really dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although your bodies are dead because of sin, your spirits are alive because of righteousness. Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also 
through his spirit who dwells in you. Close quote. Once again, St. Paul here is speaking about the power, the reality of baptism through which we receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the very spirit of Christ. Verse 11 declares, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if you're baptized as I am baptized, we have received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God, the very spirit of Christ has been poured out into our hearts. He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will give life to our mortal bodies also through his spirit who dwells in us. Once again, St. Paul here is underscoring the power of baptism, the new birth by water and the spirit. We experience resurrection power through baptism. And we, although one day each of us, like Lazarus, will die. And let me just make it abundantly clear that, that Lazarus ultimately did die again. But we know we believe and we trust that he was raised to immortality. He was raised and truly resurrected, not merely resuscitated, as was the case here in John chapter 11, but that after his second death, that he ultimately was raised to glory by Christ who loved him so dearly. And we have that pledge, that promise, that guarantee that we, though our mortal bodies will waste away, although we will die one day, we will be raised to glory by Christ himself. We who have received the Holy Spirit. And so my friends, I I hope and I pray that this has been a source of edification for you as we draw closer, ever more closer to the celebration of the Easter mysteries. And I want to close, as is my custom, this episode by citing a few brief but relevant passages from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I want to cite, beginning with paragraph 547, which states, and I quote, Jesus accompanies his words with many, quote, mighty works and wonders and signs, unquote, which manifest that the kingdom is present in him and attest that he was the promised Messiah. Close quote. The next paragraph, paragraph 548, we read, The signs worked by Jesus attest that the Father has sent him. They invite belief in him. To those who turn to him in faith, he grants what they ask. So miracles strengthen faith in the one who does his father's works. They bear witness that he is the son of God. But his miracles can also be occasions for, quote, offense, unquote. They are not intended to satisfy people's curiosity or desire for magic. Despite his evident miracles, some people reject Jesus. He is even accused of acting by the power of demons. Finally, in paragraph 549, the Catechism concludes, By freeing some individuals from the earthly evils of hunger, injustice, illness, and death, Jesus performed messianic signs. Nevertheless, 
he did not come to abolish all evils here below, but to free men from the gravest slavery, sin, which thwarts them in their vocation as God's sons and causes all forms of human bondage. Let's say that last part again. Nevertheless, he did not come to abolish all evils here below, but rather to free men from the gravest slavery, sin. Jesus Christ, through his life, passion, death, and resurrection, came to set us free from the bondage of sin. He did not come to remove all forms of suffering and tyranny. He was aiming to deliver us through his passion, death, and resurrection from the bondage of sin. We know and we trust and we believe that ultimately he's going to set us free from all forms of tyranny. At the end of time, the consummation of the world, when he comes again in glory to judge the living and the dead, at the consummation of the age, all tears will be wiped away. And we who remain faithful to him, we who trust and believe in him and live for him, and seek to do his will through his grace and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be raised up in glory. And all forms of sickness and disease and, and even the power of death will be utterly destroyed by the power of Christ. Now, my friends, this brings our episode to a close. As always, my hope and prayer is that this podcast has been and continues to be a source of edification, inspiration, and spiritual nourishment for you. If it has been, praise God for that. I want to encourage you, if you're watching this episode via our YouTube channel, be sure to hit that like button. And what's more, if you have yet to subscribe to the channel, what are you waiting for? Hit that big red subscribe button and the notification bell. That way, YouTube can notify you the moment we upload a brand new podcast episode. By liking and subscribing, you help the channel to grow. When you like and subscribe, YouTube is more apt to push these videos out to more and more viewers. And that's the whole purpose of this channel. It is to make Christ known. So if you wish to assist us, be sure to like, to subscribe, and what's more, share the link to this podcast far and wide. If you'd like to take a step further in assisting us to, to make this podcast a blessing for others, consider becoming a patron of this podcast, a co-producer of this podcast. Visit patreon.com forward slash Hector Molina. On that page, you'll see a number of different levels of patronage. And for as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron. And trust me, every little bit counts as we seek to evangelize through this digital medium. So if you'd like to partner with me, please visit patreon.com forward slash Hector Molina to find out how. And speaking of patrons, as always, I want to give a shout out to my amazing community of patrons. I want to thank them for their partnership and their continued support. I wouldn't be able to do this without you. So God bless you. Well, my friends, until we gather together again to reflect upon the readings for Palm Sunday, my prayer continues to be for you in the words of the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. May the word of God continue to richly dwell in you. God love you. <laughs>